Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. Hi everyone, I'm your host Chris Sands, and today I'm joined by longtime friends of the show, Garrett Chambers and Marcus Thomas, two of the dynamic trio that founded Kushwa Brewing Company. Thank you for joining me, gentlemen. Thank you for having us. Yeah, man. Happy to be here. I'm starting to think Scott just doesn't like me. He never <laughs> he never wants to join in on these. <laughs> it's possible Scott doesn't like anyone. We'll have to we'll have to check in with him on that. Yeah. Although maybe he was on the last one. No, he was. He um he's being pulled. He's honestly doing a lot to help me out right now since I haven't been in, but uh, he, uh, he just couldn't make it today. Because all three of you are full time at the brewery now, right? Correct. Yep. We're coming up on a year for all three of us to be here. I think I started the middle of February, so about a month out. Yeah, I remember last year when you were on close to the same amount of time, I think you had just made that transition. Yeah. So that's exciting, not having to do anything other than the brewery, because I imagine that makes your life a little easier. Yeah, it's it is a total relief. I mean, not to get in the nuts and bolts of it. It's just it's just a huge weight lifted off my shoulder. And I mean, I think it I think it helps obviously Garrett and Scott just for the fact that you know it, it's better to tackle something with three people than it is two people. So um, yeah, I I am forever thankful that I was able to finally make that move. So. Four years open, um, coming up on one year in your new location, um, which I think it's kind of cool that a um, that homemade moved into your old spot because now you, like people can kind of see where you came from. I mean, it's obviously it doesn't look exactly the same in there, um, but people can see where you came from and what you've grown to uh, all in one visit to the area yeah yeah it's um it's actually it's 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 really cool to be able to go over and uh sit and have a beer over there and just kind of like know what what it was when when we were there and then see what they've done with it they've done a a really good job with the the interior of the place um and they um they've done a good job of making it different enough so it shows their personality but it still has a little bit of like our old feel and um something cool that they did too uh just because you you brought it up they um you know how we had kushwa written uh, our logo up huge on the wall in there yeah um, they actually didn't paint over it they put boards up and drew and put a piece like steven did artwork on top of the the plywood um to kind of preserve kush oh that's uh, cool which was yeah it's huge um it's funny because um we're really close with those guys like we we like them a lot and um you know it's we getting to know them even more obviously now that that we're neighbors but um we're pumped to have them there uh, we have a really good relationship with them they're, yeah they're both great guys i don't i can't imagine there's anyone who's met them and does not like them yeah no they're 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 uh super down to earth uh just good good dudes 
So though I wonder, um, with the climate of how the world is right now, you guys probably really don't know what the true difference will be in your new spot as compared to your old one. Like you, like it's kind of hard to tell like what it's going to be like in your new tap room. I would assume, right? Like you, you can have people, but not like what it'll hopefully become. Yeah, I. I sit here and like we're just getting into the new year and I'm looking at like what we've done through the tap room and like what, you know, projected wise we could physically do through the tap room if things were in a normal scenario. But uh, it, it's kind of hard to figure all that out. You know, it's uh, you're just kind of touch and go until we start to see some uh, clarification and I guess, you know, the numbers with COVID going down and allowing us to kind of plan out um, because we don't do any events. I mean, events are a huge, huge draw to a tap room besides just the beer Uh, and and not having that uh, really affects foot traffic into the tap room uh, on a weekly basis. Are are uh, are there still a decent amount of people coming there? Because I still like I see tons of people posting about uh, posting pictures of their beer and their pizza. Um, and the couple times I've stopped in to pick up cans on the weekend, there were I mean a safe amount, but there were there was a decent amount of people there. Yeah, I feel like uh, people are still um, coming out. You know, whether they choose to pick up curbside, come in and pick up and go, or just hang out. Uh, there's still a steady flow of customer and and um, following uh, into the tap room. Um, I mean, it's not what any of us expected, but I mean, we'll take it right now. I feel like we're in a good place with uh, with the releases that we've been putting out each week, and um, you know, Rad Pies being there is a major plus uh, to have food on site. So that's a draw, um, but. Um, I only see that picking up. I mean, hopefully, uh, we're we're hoping to get the the patio in order. We have a kind of a makeshift patio now. Um, we hope to kind of update that uh, in the spring uh, to allow more uh, accessibility and more patio um, outside. So it should help. And um, with the capacity that we have inside. Um, I, I, I mean, I guess Garrett, we're going to be starting probably, uh, an expansion on the extension of the tap room. I don't know if we should, I mean, we've kind of, we've kind of alluded to that. So there, there's going to be some things in the works to help, um, space people out and, uh, still be following the regulations and restrictions that have been enforced as far as restaurants and tap rooms are concerned so good expanding out into that space that's off to the left yeah yeah i'm not sure the square footage and that but that'll allow us to put some more tables in there and just have more of an overflow right now okay and then we can um we can look at what that looks like down the road you know what we want to turn it into so how how many people could you fit in your old location it was like 160, I think. And how? Yeah, I think I think it was 160. Without any kind of restrictions, how many people can you fit in the current one? 
without so, yeah, I mean, any like, restrictions. I think we're, we're set at like I think it's two forty or two fifty, maybe to have a round number. Okay. So you'd be able to host a, a decent amount of people once everyone can congregate safely without any kind of restrictions imposed on you. Yeah, because right now, I mean, with everyone having to be seated just indoors, we could probably only do up to about 50, 50 to 60 people in there. And that's not even obviously our 50% capacity of what we were allowed. So I guess in, in some ways, um, moving into the new spot was advantageous, even though it probably was very added a ton of stress to you all opening that tremendously larger location in the middle of a global pandemic. We didn't really have a choice. The way everything yeah. played out, it was, it oh, was yeah, I mean, you were on a, a <laughs> train steaming down the tracks. It's not like you could, you could have changed the timing at all. Yeah. We were already uh, paying a lease for the old space and the new space at that point. So, you know, it was, it was inevitable that we, you know, made made the jump. Um, so we just just dealt with it, you know. But the, I would I would assume though the like the new location from a production standpoint was very advantageous. Having a canning line, having more product that you can put in the cans to get out across the the country or not the country, the state. Yeah. Yeah, the canning line saved us. You know, I don't remember if we talked about that the last we talked to you or not, but you know, that the canning line, we got that thing up and running about it was about three weeks uh before the shutdown happened. And honestly, if we didn't have that, I don't know what we would have done. I mean, a whole whole truckload of kegs got returned to us. You know, we sent out the day before the shutdown. Oh, uh, they left and they came right back the next day. So uh and understandably yeah. so. Um, so if we didn't have that line, uh, you know, obviously we could have mobile can, but that scheduling is tight because everybody, everybody's doing that. You know, everybody's just scrambling to try to make things work. So, um, the having our own line and the freedom to run it, you know, on our own schedule and, and things like that was, uh, it was a lifesaver. You know, our, our business would probably look very different right now and our stress level would be way higher than it it already is if, if we if it weren't for that yeah um how so comparatively production size how much more beer are you putting out now than where you were putting in your original location so we were doing we we're about 40 barrels a month uh in our old space and we're doing about 200 barrels a month now it's just a slight uptick it's a, it's a <laughs> yeah it's uh it's crazy, man. You know, it's, uh, we never, I, obviously like I, I, you hope that things go and, you know, beard moves and things like that. Um, you know, we've just, we've been really fortunate that it's all kind of come together for us. Um, I think partially too, because we didn't do a lot of distro before, cause we just didn't have the volume to, um, you know, we got to take advantage of some pent up demand in other locations. So the distro part really, you know, obviously became crucial, but it, it, um, it was like putting product out to, to a lot of folks that were already kind of, you know, looking forward to trying our beer that hadn't had it and, and, you know, excited to be able to have it on a more regular basis for the people that, 
that had. Yeah, and help build on that demand that was already there. Like people wanting right. to try it, hadn't tried it. Now there's more word of mouth telling people about your beer and people look probably seeking it out much more now that they have more access to it instead of driving all the way to Williamsport. Right. Well, and that's a weird balance too, because, you know, you want people to come and right now you want people to come, but only so many yeah. people, so how, you know, how do you, you know, and obviously you can't control what, what people do and don't do. I think the distance helps just because we're, we're pretty far out. Um, you know, but it's, um, I don't know, man, we've, like I said, we, I think we've been, we've worked really hard and, uh, I, I think that there, you know, we've also been, uh, really lucky at the same time. Things have just kind of timed out in a way that have, have worked out for us. Has the, um, the local community rallied behind you? Cause there's been a lot, like a lot of talk of that with breweries where their immediate local area has really come out and showed a lot of support buying even more beer than normal. I, I mean, personally, I, I think that's true. Um, I mean, just not with us, but several of the other breweries in the area, uh, they've been um, out in full force. I mean, just seeing some of the people come in, there's <laughs> regulars that come in at least once a week, um, uh, whether or not they're grabbing beer and pizza or just grabbing a pizza. But I mean, there's just been an outcrying of support. Um, during this time um and they're always like wanting to know how we're doing and checking in on us uh, it's a very uh small town feel obviously uh being in a small town uh, and running a brewery that has legs all the way across maryland um it's it's pretty cool to see how uh, the community at large comes together are you distributing all through maryland now or just in pockets of it we're yeah we're we're across pretty much the whole state um not west of where we are though we don't have anyone that that takes beer out there at this point um that's something that you know like obviously the population decreases once you get out into allegheny and garrett county but it's definitely something that we would like to do at some point um that's more of a logistic thing not because we don't want to mm-hmm. um yeah we're pretty we're pretty readily available um you know, across the state, um, more, more so, uh, west of, of the Bay, but there, there is some representation, um, east of the Bay. Let's take, um, a real quick sponsor break. And then we come back, we can talk about, um, your fourth anniversary celebration plans. So we will be right back. Uncapped is brought to you by one of Frederick's original Maryland craft beer destinations located off of Urbana Pike, featuring a warm, inviting atmosphere and knowledgeable staff serving up fresh, locally sourced culinary creations and unique craft beers on tap. Open seven days a week, our friends at Roast House Pub invite you to enjoy a casual lunch, happy hour specials, delicious dinners, and specialty desserts. Follow them on social media to keep up to date on their monthly beer dinners, mom's spaghetti dinner battles, and what beer is being featured for Buck Above Monday. Idiom Brewing Company proudly offers a delicious variety of beers to satisfy the most discerning tastes. Best known for their wide array of IPAs, delicious fruited sours, and robust porters and stouts, Idiom has a simple goal in mind, to bring people from all walks of life together, to enjoy themselves and each other. Whether you're a hophead looking for explosively juicy IPAs, 
are one of the adventurous few looking to try boozy, sour, or complex flavors, or just looking to enjoy classic styles and seasonal favorites, they'll have a little something for you. Idiom Brewing Company is located in downtown Frederick, just south of the intersection of East Street and East Patrick Street, with ample seating directly on Carroll Creek. So, what is uh, what? Which day is your official anniversary? You wait, dude. January. Yeah, you, you. Well, I know the date, but you probably have more information about like the festivities. Yeah, um, our official like opening date when we opened back. Four years ago, uh, it was January 25th. It was a Wednesday. Um, we were only open, I think it was like five to nine that day. It was just kind of a soft opening. We did a ribbon cutting, and that place was bonkers. Like, it was just, there wasn't any room to move. Um, but I remember, like, yesterday, it's crazy to think that we're already going on four. Um, um, so the 25th will kick off our anniversary week. Um, and due to COVID, that's how we'll handle it. Um, each day we'll do, uh, several releases. Some days it's, uh, a can or a few cans, uh, mixed in with a couple, uh, bottles, barrel aged, um, variants that we have from some of, uh, some of the beers that we've put out in the past. Um, and I mean, we sprinkled in a couple things to kind of make it more attractable or an attraction. Um, uh, we have a DJ coming in. Uh, one of my buddies that I went to high school with, uh, DJ busy, he's coming in to spin on Friday night for us. Um, we've got burger buff coming in at the end of the week on the 31st. Now that's, that's something that's been, uh, started with rat pies. Um, they've kind of been and taking the reins on that. Um, even this this upcoming um, event with Burger Buff, we actually did one, I think it was in March, uh, and it was a huge success. Um, and so we wanted to get him back in and actually timed up right with our anniversary. Uh, so he's coming in and doing his uh, famous smash burgers, uh, and that'll be a pre-sale uh, ticketed event. I'm not sure how many tickets he'll sell, but I did hear that he's probably going to double uh, the amount of tickets that he did uh, back in March. Yeah, because there weren't a ton last time, right? I I vaguely remember that selling out pretty quickly. Yeah, I felt like it was under 200. I feel I want to say like 150. Um, and talking uh, to the guys at Rat Pies, I think they're going to at least double that. So it should be maybe around 300. Um, but then also, you know, we've got rat pies working that day. They're going to have pizza and uh, other options for people to eat. I keep seeing people post, um, photos of their Big Mac pizza and I really want to get one. (laughs) Those guys make awesome food. We're, we're so, so, uh, fortunate to have them there. Um, you know, that, that was kind of a long a long um, time in the making and it's just it's really cool to have uh their food another like set of creative minds in the building like it's just it's it's neat it's been cool to watch it happen i think it's interesting just because the artistry that they put behind it it's not like you know here's a cheese pizza with pepperoni on it i mean they do the classic style uh toppings but um 
just some of the thought process and it's more than just it's sausage it's this sausage that was aged for five six years and like you can only get it here and it's like i don't know oh, yeah, that's awesome they are passionate <laughs> about their pizza <laughs> oh <laughs> every ingredient i i think they're passionate yeah. about so. <laughs> that's good though it's 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 made with passion and love so what are um so what are the beers that that uh are being released gary do you want to you want me to go into this or you want to yeah I, I mean just like kind of a an overall rundown um we have um got a couple variants on electro fruit um just because that you know it's a big thing um you know people people get excited about that so we have that uh triple ipa uh that i just i just saw district east posted they have the ambrosia one so i need to run over there and get some because i i haven't had a chance to try that one yet yeah it turned that one turned out really well um sorry black ipa no no triple ipa triple ipa sorry yeah so we we have another triple ipa coming out that we did with uh marshmallow and vanilla um Mm. we've never we don't mess with IPAs a whole lot. That's not um, something that we've generally taken on, but um, it's uh, it was fun. You know, it was a fun fun thing to like uh, have a twist on. So we've got that. Um, we have some bigger stouts uh, that have been around in the past that we've um, held back uh, for uh, this specific reason. Um, we actually have limited like ridiculous like stupid limited uh what is it 2017 bourbon barrel age rambo bottles but it's i think we literally got like 20 bottles or something because um, it's gonna be it's gonna be like black friday for those (laughs) yeah and that wasn't done on purpose um we actually uh that keg was one that um it was just one keg and we weren't sure we were gonna do with it and we got this bottler and we're like well it's just let's do it and let's, let's make it like, you know, like handwritten, like one of 20, you know, two of 20 or however, yeah. man, it might be 24 bottles. Um, so there's that, um, we did, a liquid bread, which was a doppelbach we made. We, we put that into a second use, uh, ambler barrel. Um, so what we'll what we'll bottles of that? Um, there's some other, you know, some other like random type things coming. Um, having the bottler is is cool because it just lets us it lets us do some different things that we haven't been able to do in the past um unfortunately we you know because we're in such a small space we don't really have much of a barrel program but we're we're kind of working on that now so down the road we are hoping to have more of those types of things as well that seems to be every brewery's goal to is that just yeah is that just something like that you guys collectively just all love is it the from the added creative expression that you can do from the different just i mean I guess the the possibilities are endless when you get into it yeah i think i think it's uh it's a cool pet project and i mean it's i feel like barrels barrels on a really small scale are actually more of a labor of love than they are anything else because it's a lot of work to to do barrels you know uh correctly and storing them and um you know if you're not a big facility with a lot of resources and people to do things and stuff like that it's it's definitely it's taxing on the production crew you know 
because it's we're already maxed out pretty much and then it's just one extra thing so it's it's something that uh i think we just do because we really like it and it is fun you know it's um you know that smooth ambler barrel we had used once for another beer um and i set it aside um because it was like you know that that barrel was it was a really good barrel so it's like well we could use it for something else and then doppelbox great for that because it took on a really light barrel character so it's not like you're gonna you're not going into that and it's like this huge like uh bold barrel character it's like a cool little bit of like OE, like um like a back end type thing but it but it's different than the original beer so um it's just fun to play with them you know and also being able to get some local stuff um we've uh we've worked with black draft distillery down in uh, martinsburg um and then mcclintock um actually uh we've always been you know friends with them but they've they've been really um helpful with with barrels and bringing them to us and um i don't know it's it's a cool that's another cool tie because you get to work with somebody that's small like you and you know on the artisanal level and um you have the whole story and you know the people that are putting all that work in so it's um you know it sounds kind of like cheesy but it's it's just a neat thing to be able to like pull together with people and um, especially because you you know they're they're just as passionate about what they're making as you are with your own beer so you know that what was in that barrel that barrel was taken care of what was in that barrel was created with a high level of quality absolutely you, like you know what you're getting mm-hmm. yep so uh no peace among worlds coming back <laughs> no but that's yes. not for the anniversary but that that did come up not so long ago we might, well, I, we might do that again i saw that i, I, think, I think there was that somewhere on social media someone was throwing that out there that was going to be one of the releases yeah that's what that's where i saw it was that you chris i didn't post it but i saw it (laughs) but that was a really good beer i think that was thanks i think that was the first rat pies i mean that was white rabbit i'm sorry white rabbit but yeah close sister company or cousins or whatever that's what that's kind of funny. That's one of those things where some people were like, are you going to collab with a restaurant kind of thing? Like, cause there are, there are boys and it's fun and it's, you know, it's something cool to do. And it's weird how it came full circle. And now we're actually like business partners with them, you know, in our own way. And, um, you know, so that, that would definitely be a fun one to bring back. And Ben little was there at the time. And like, I don't know. Yeah. I thought it made sense when you did it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. It was fun. That So that, that was one of those um, releases where like, people were lined up down, I guess, where you're located or really aren't blocks. But there was a long-ass line uh, for people to get that beer. Have you seen any of that or do you, do you think those days are over? Because it doesn't, except for occasionally for something really special, you don't really see that on posted on social media anymore where there's long lines of people for beer releases. Yeah, I think, I think for the most part, those days are gone. Um, and I think there's, there's, you know, a bunch of reasons for it. It, The, the, you know, COVID certainly didn't help that cause, but I think it was, it was kind of line life was, was dead, uh, for the most part before that. Um, 
too many, you know, there, there's too many good breweries out these days for people to stand in line, you know, all the time. Yeah. Uh, good beer is readily available through a lot of different channels. Um, there are definitely breweries that still have it, though. I mean, there, there, there are breweries that, you know, people are, people are still in line for, which is awesome, you know. Um, but even those, I think it's, you know, it's, it's died down some. Yeah, it seems like even if there are lines, it's not like it. It's not like it was before, and it seemed to be dying off even before COVID. That it. That the- I think the uh, the line life that's exists, it's more about the trade value of that beer than people wanting to actually drink that beer. They, you know, the the people that are waiting in lines for certain things now okay. are more like tuned in to to trading things, whether it's for other beer or hard to find bourbons or you know whatever people trade beer for but um you know it's it's um i think that's what drives that more than people wanting to actually get it i mean i i remember years and years ago you know standing in in line at hill farmstead that wasn't because we wanted to sell that bottle or trade it to people yeah. it's because you wanted way to get home and pop it with friends you know and so the you know it's, it's just a different it's a different ball game now. Yeah, I, I've never, I've never gotten into the trading thing. So maybe I just don't, I don't see that world or, or even quite understand it. Even that, even that's different. You know, I, I we, I, well, I don't know. I, I don't know if Marcus did it, or I don't even remember if Scott really traded beer outside of just like in our friend group. I did it some ten years ago, but it was more like. Um, cool it, again it was almost like a sharing thing it was like oh like i met this guy on a message board you know in la and like i've got some stuff he wants and he's got some stuff yeah. i want well you know, now, now it's it more was, of just a whole business where, absolutely where yeah. people like you'll see i see on instagram all the time posting their inventory of yep. and it's almost always just fruited sours <laughs> so we yeah we're it's uh it's beer's in a weird place so so have you seen um actually i have seen electro smoogee or um electro damn it what what's the i was about to say that your collab you did with improv electro fruits electro fruits the normal name um i i've definitely seen those listed on some people's inventories of what they were shipping out yeah I think it's awesome that people want to send their beer places. I mean, that's that, you know, that's, that's cool. Um, you know, you can't, can't really do much about what people do with something after they purchase it. You Does know, it make you nervous or do the people in those worlds understand that they're taking a risk having a heavily fruited beer shipped to them? Yeah, it makes me nervous a little bit. I mean, it's, you know, the, the storage of it, uh, you know, becomes an issue and um, just the handling of it in general. But again, it's, you know, it's it comes with the territory of getting bigger and, and um, you know, having beers that, that, that people get, you know, that excited about. Um, so we just take it as it comes. Um, so you have you have listed too that there will be um limited edition glassware t-shirts stickers and other merchandise what are what are those things uh so we um 
we teamed up with a local artist here uh, in Washington County. He goes by uh, Rich the Negative. Uh, so he actually did the artwork design uh, that we posted, I think, last Sunday. Um, he did all the artwork for the, the fourth anniversary T-shirt. Um, then there's an alternate um, design for the glassware. Um, we did like a 16-ounce tall boy uh, glass, so that'll be depicted on one side and Cushball on the other. Uh, we just got some sweet-ass uh, T-shirts in. Um, it's like a brilliant yellow, and then just like a, a very like – I almost the only way I can describe like the the artwork it's like drippy, drippy, <laughs> drippy, drippy. It's like it, it's crazy. It's it's a lot different than anything uh, we've we've released on any kind of merch. Uh, so I think people are gonna dig it. Um, and then we've also got stickers with uh, some of the artwork that he he had designed. Um, and as well during that week. Uh, we've been holding on to some uh, Rambo 16-ounce, um, I think they're like a Mastercraft glass, um, but it's a Rambo 8-bit um, design on the front of it. So we're going to release that with these um, these Rambo bottles that uh, we'll have, and then we'll have some Rambo on draft. People love 8-bit glassware. <laughs> That's the thing, man. <laughs> that's a that's another area uh and i'm guilty of it um but glassware has become crazy in craft beer too like there's a couple groups that i peruse and the amount of money that people are paying secondhand for glassware is insane I wish we had Leo on one right now because he could give us the rundown on this whole like class thing. I don't like me or Garrett couldn't even give you, you know, a minute's worth of conversation on <laughs> the secondary market of glassware, but uh Leo could definitely give you all the intel that you would want on that. But uh yeah, as far as what I've just heard in in conversation, it's it's been crazy as far as if if it's a hot commodity or, you know, and uh, a brewery that they're known for um, that that type of artwork and that glassware. It's people are like gobbling them up and trying. I mean, to like there are some that like people are paying a hundred dollars a piece for. I mean, if I owned the brewery, I would just start making more of them and then sell them for fifty bucks a piece. <laughs> <laughs> like limited run. There's only fifty of these, fifty bucks a piece. <laughs> but I guess then maybe the demand wouldn't be there as much. I don't know. I'm not a business person. So what I'm predicting is that your Rambo glassware may be <laughs> selling at a secondary market for a ton at some point. We can only hope. What well, I mean, checks all the boxes, popular brewery, eight bits, nostalgia. Like it, like that has, it has everything you need. <laughs> Um, we're going to take one more quick sponsor break and then we get back so we can wrap up anything left that we didn't talk about um, for the anniversary party and then I want to talk a little bit about all the collaborations that you guys have been doing lately so we'll be right back 
There are many reasons why I have chosen District East for where I purchase beer. I love the flexibility of being able to make a custom six-pack or take home a crowler from one of the eight beers on tap. Their friendly and knowledgeable staff do an amazing job at keeping a diverse selection on hand. You can even purchase artwork from the monthly featured artist. District East is located on Northeast Street in Frederick in the same shopping center as Family Mill and Rockwell Brewery. You can find today's beer lists on the District East Facebook page or at www.districteast.beer. To all you craft breweries, wineries, and distilleries out there, listen up. Atlantic Custom Solutions is the real deal in providing you branded growlers, ceramics, glassware, and accessories like koozies, coasters, and keychains. Their high-definition digital printing, organic ink, and low-fire process ensures your brand is printed in ultra-high definition, giving you a one-up on the competition. We've used Atlantic Custom Solutions for uncapped branded glassware and couldn't be happier with it. Check them out. Visit www.brandmybeverage.com or give them a call at 434-286-4500 to learn more about how they can help you brand your business. Uncapped is brought to you with support from McClintock Distilling, Maryland's first and only organic certified distillery. They are well known for their award-winning gin and are rapidly growing a name for themselves for their matchstick bourbon and bootjack rye whiskey that have both won double gold at international spirits competitions. You can visit them in historic downtown Frederick along Carroll Creek for tours and tastings. Go to McClintockDistilling.com for more information. All right, so is there is there anything left with the anniversary party that we did not go over? Or I guess the not party the week-long celebration yeah i'll just kind of wrap it all up our anniversary is going to run january 25th to the 31st um on the 25th we'll start releasing cans um, bottles just keep an eye out on facebook um, and instagram for when those are going to drop um one thing that i didn't mention a little earlier is that we're going to actually package some of this stuff together with the merch and, um, and some of the bottle releases to allow, um, I guess, pre-sale access to it. So they can go on starting. I think we're going to do it Sunday night. We'll release them for purchase and it'll be a package deal where it's like one bottle, um, sticker, shirt, glass. Uh, so they can already secure that at pickup and then pick that up whenever it suits them um, throughout the anniversary week. Uh, but all those items will be individually for sale as well, uh, starting on the 25th. And will uh, they all be available to pre-order online, or will they only be a, able to yeah. purchase at the brewery? Uh, no. So it'll be we'll have a package deal where you actually save a little bit of money um, to buy it in the package deal, uh, or you can purchase each individual item, whatever you would like online as well, but it'll be online and in the tap room. Okay. So like on, when you put everything up on the 25th, even is everything, are the releases staggered throughout the week or is it all going to be available the first day? Well, that would be a little bit different as far as the can (laughs) and the bottle releases. Those will be staggered throughout the week. Um, with these package deals, it allows you an early access okay. to some of the bottles that'll be later in the week, um, from that standpoint, but the cans, we're not doing any cans. It's there's one. 
bottle and there's one there's two bottles that that we'll be allowing in the packages and then the rest you can just pick up okay you cut out a little bit so i'm gonna make sure i understand so there's two bottles or two or three bottles in the package because you like kind of that that last sentence you broke up a little bit so we have um we have a rich the negative anniversary package which has um i believe it has the dead echo bourbon barrel aged bottle available okay Okay. so that would have the rich negative shirt glass sticker and then the dead echo bourbon barrel aged bottle and then we have a rambo package which is the rambo glass um a sticker and then i forget right now what bottle that would be i think it's the rambo snickers bottle um and so is that made with actual snickers or snickers inspired Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then the rest of the bottles will have, I think we have like three other bottles that'll be outside those packages and staggered throughout the week, as well as the can releases. Those will be staggered throughout the week. Okay, cool. That all came through clear that time. Stupid internet. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing that's happened during this time is you've done a lot of collaboration beers over the um, past several months. Was that just a, something you wanted to focus more on or, or opportunities presented or like what, what was the driving factor behind that? So uh, brewing with other breweries um, has always been, one of, I think our favorite parts of what we do. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's cool to get like-minded people together, you know, regardless of what it is, whether it's beer or mountain bikes or, you know, I don't know, whatever people are into. Um, but, uh, you know, those, those collabs, um, I feel like we've taken, we take something away from everyone that we do and hopefully we also, you know, are able to give, give people, um some takeaways as well so it's mutually beneficial but um it's it's an awesome way to um group together you know a couple different things that we like you know beer obviously um travel uh you know getting to go to new places meet new people try new foods and beers and and it's like the total package i think for honestly all three of us you know those are things that all of us like to do um you know, it's it's been really neat to be able to brew with some of the the names that we brewed with. Um, you know, it's pretty humbling. Um, so we, it's it's that's something we we've always <coughs> wanted to do a lot of. Um, and you become friends with these people. You know, these are people on speed dial, and we talk to a lot of them frequently. You know, about just you know, whatever personal things, but also work stuff. You know, when we come against the problem or you know or seeing something that we haven't seen before it's just easy to jump on it's like this uh, uh free flowy like um sharing you know information sharing um <clears throat> so we when COVID hit we kind of uh pulled back from them a little bit just because initially everybody you know was trying to figure out like what was going on and then we started to do some again 
And then the rates, especially in Washington County, are very high. So we, we really haven't traveled much in the very recent past. Yeah. Um, our last trip, uh, we went down to North Carolina to brew with uh, Heist and Divine Barrel. Um, and the, I think one of the things that's like a huge bummer for us is all the breweries that we've brewed with in other places, it's always been this, this agreement. It's like a home and away type thing. Once we had our expanded space and had the canning line, things like that, then everybody would come here. Um, you know, but people are obviously still very much on lockdown in a lot of places and things. So it hasn't, we haven't been able to have as many people come in as we would have liked. Um, you know, we still definitely gotten some in, um, we do have, um, got plans for some, um, heavy reel, uh, friends from New Jersey are going to be coming in next month. Um, so we're going to do something with them. Um, we've, we've got some stuff going, uh, with Evergreen, uh, out of, uh, Pennsylvania. That's something that we're kind of working on. Um, but you know, the dates have been pushed around or, you know, put off. We've talked about doing some virtual things, but that doesn't have the same feel either. So we've been doing a lot of that. There's a couple that, that we might end up doing. Um, honestly, I, one of my kind of hopes for this year is that things eventually do open back up to some point and we can start going back out and, and visiting friends and, and having people here now too, that we can, we have the space and we can entertain and we can can and we can do all the fun stuff. Which way do you prefer it? Like the going someplace to do it or host? Cause you've, you've still been able to host a couple, right? Is it- yeah, we've had, we, we've had, a, we've had a couple people come in. Yeah. Um, so homemade, homemade, you know, to, to like when they were opening, obviously opening into a really tough, um, you know, environment. Um, we we were able to brew with them and um that was cool because it gave it gave them a to-go option you know they they do have a little canning line uh but we were able to like, put obviously can a little more efficiently so yeah. like, that was that was good in the beginning um i mean i like going places just because i'd i'd travel all the time i mean i could yeah. grow back on and leave for a year and be completely happy with that and um, you're in your brewery every day so exactly so it's it's um it's hard you know it's it's hard to kind of like disconnect when we're in that those four walls um you know it's nice to go to other people's places uh it's more relaxing um and i like to see facility you know because because i'm their production guy i like to see people's facilities i just like to see how they have equipment set up and you know, it's, it's amazing how we're all doing the same, basically the same thing, but with vastly different approaches to it. Um, so I think even from like, even from my eyes, like what I'm looking for, I'm like, I, I understand like what Garrett's coming from in production. I look at that as well, but then it's also seeing how they do things in the tap room or, or, you know, they display their merchandise or how they handle this. And it's kind of like, you're just soaking it all in. You're like, oh, what you know, what food uh, they have available. Um, just trying to kind of take it all in and seeing what you know may work back home at your own home base as far as trying to use some of those tools and and things that they're doing. What is uh, one brewery that you that you don't have lined up or you haven't talked to at all yet 
that you would love to be able to do a collaboration with? What's your aspiration? Um, I want to brew a lager with Ocelot. I feel like we, I feel like you might have asked me that in the past. I did um, ask you in the past. And I, I think you so gave this, I think you gave the same answer. <laughs> I, I, it's, I, well, it's true. And you know, like, uh, I have so much respect for that place and their beer that, you know, their beer is amazing. Kick ass beer. Their space is phenomenal. The people are not, you know, like everything about that place, um, just it just feels it's just good vibes um and uh i like the fact that they're capable of making you know some hazy ipas and things like that you know and they do them very well but man they're like they're pilsners and some of the lagers that they turn out and some of the other styles that they brew are so spot on i have uh um, i have one of their pilsner glasses on that those shelves right back there <laughs> um you know so obviously like they're not they're not super far or anything like that but i just i really really enjoy uh ocelot beer yeah i think well and when you said that too that was like right when uh covid hit that yeah, so the the opportunities probably didn't because Loudoun County's been pretty locked down most mm-hmm. of the time too. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, things are tight, tight down there for sure. Yeah, I need to get I need to have Adrian back on. He's such a good, I I don't know. There's been a lot of episodes where he gets brought up by by different breweries and how much they admire him in the in Ocelot's beer. I don't know him. Uh, I met him once uh, at one of the um, Aslan uh, parties that we were at just briefly. Uh, super nice guy, but I've never heard anyone have anything but extremely positive things to say about him. Um, and again, I think that's just that's just part of their, uh, not that he's doing it for a brand, but like that's just part of, I think, their brand and who they are. They're just, you know, they, they just, like I said, it's, there's, there's a chill. good vibe around them. Yeah. All right. Well, you already gave that answer, so you got to come up with a different one. <laughs> um, I so I don't know about like a, the brewery necessarily. We want to go to Wakefest. That's one that we have not uh, squared away an invitation to, and um, so obviously would love to brew with Jay Wakefield. Uh, you know, in the process, but Wakefest is one of those festivals that. Um, I would just, it would be phenomenal to, to go down and, and do. Someday when we're allowed to have festivals again. Right. Although they're, they're probably a little more opened up down there, right? I think Florida's. I don't think they were ever closed. So they may be having it this year. Who knows? Yeah, I, don't, I, have no, I don't know what's going on down south. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Um, so in the past year, you've added to um, your production staff. You started collecting Garrett's. Um, yes. How, um, how many people are on your production team now? Uh, we have, sorry, my dog's freaking out. Oh, uh, mine, um, mine just was too. Thankfully, this mic doesn't go far because she was, my wife and kids must have left. She was standing, standing at the door howling. Oh. <laughs> um and how how many people are on the production staff yeah. uh we have uh so including myself 
we have three full-time uh, people and a part-time person right now. Um, I don't um, I don't brew as much as I was brewing um, just because, you know, we're through the expansion. Like now I'm, I'm in more of like a, a managerial role, uh, you know, more production planning. Um, Ordering, all- scheduling, all the logistics yeah. of running a, the production area. Yeah. In which, you know, I don't mind, but I, I'm, I'm happier on the brew deck. You know, it's, I, I'm a hustler. So it's, it's, it's hard for me to stay out of there and not do things. Um, you know, occasionally like I'll go in and like start screwing with something and they're like, Hey, (laughs) (laughs) go go away. We got this. And like, get out of here suit. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, you know, we have, we've got a really good staff. Um, production tap room everybody you know leo um smooth operations manager we are very very fortunate to have kick-ass people working for us and if we didn't have them we would be train wrecks um you know it's it's uh it's been it's been a pretty neat thing to watch grow um and uh I think everybody's really, really, you know, team Kushwa and they're, they're, they work really hard and, um, go above and beyond. And, um, yeah, we're, we're very fortunate to have who we have. I, um, I loved everything about collecting Garrett's from the name, the label, the beer itself was awesome. Awesome. Cause I, I mean, yeah. how, how many, how many breweries have a Garrett, let alone two? I don't <laughs> There are not many of us running around. It's not, it's not the most it, common name. Well, it was kind of funny on, um, the Instagram post that Marcus put up for that. There are actually other Garrett's that showed up in the comments section, <laughs> uh, making, you know, say, making comments about wanting to apply or things like that, which is, was was pretty cool um i i honestly i don't think i've ever met like other than you know other garrett that obviously works for us now um i think i've only ever really known one other one a guy that i went to college with i think the two of you are the only garrett's i know yeah so you you employ 100 percent of the garrett's that i've ever met <laughs> goal i can guarantee you when we start hiring for something it'll probably be a ton of garrett's coming out of the woodwork <laughs> thinking they have the upper hand on getting the job <laughs> they're gonna have to brew a quadruple ipa <laughs> that would be pretty hilarious though if you do get just a ton of people named garrett or if, it, if it's a taproom position, it's all like maybe Marcus's will think that they have an upper hand that like you, you, you hire by name, by section of the brewery. Well, we've got, we've got two of us. We've got two cats. Don't we have two of someone else? Isn't it? Isn't there? Am I, who am I missing? I feel like there's another Scott and Skip look like each other. Robert and son, they don't have the same. Well, they have the last name. That's right. Yeah. So two, two Coleman's. Despite it being a ridiculous name, ridiculously common name. I mean, I didn't, there weren't any other Chris's at the Frederick news post for the longest time. And then all of a sudden there were like four and three of us have the same first name and last initial. So it was really annoying. (laughs) Cause then like people would try to clarify people try. Well, that's when I, where was I? 
oh it was it was after um that i found out that even though his name's not dan um there's an employee at full tilt who's like kind of looks like dan the owner where he like he has like reddish hair but he's a little bit bigger more built and has more hair so they would refer to him as better dan so i i i i'm I dubbed me best Chris and then there was lesser and worse Chris. They didn't like my idea as much as I did. It's fair. We just, we just call, uh, other Garrett, other Garrett or little Garrett. (laughs) It works. Garrett score. Garrett. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. Um, actually, what is it? Do you have anything, um, coming up that you're excited about that you can talk about or other than obviously coming. the inverse oh well, larger ones or just more uh we bought more 30s uh so uh you know we have a 15 barrel system um right now we have mostly 15s with a couple of 30s and from here on out it's it's going to be mostly 30s i think um so i don't know when they're coming yet they were supposed to be here in like two weeks or so, but apparently they're not on their way yet. So we're, we're ready for them when they come the, you know, the, uh, construction part of it has been done. Uh, now we just, we kind of wait. You, I think you had mentioned earlier that you you're maxed out production wise or, or it's just that you're, uh, with what we have now, we are. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So without like with new, ta- I mean, we, we without those new tanks, you yeah. Okay. Yeah, we can't turn we can't turn beer any faster than what we do now. Um, so the new tanks give us um, give us a little more leeway to to meet demand, but then also um, you know we're going to have a dedicated lager tank, and you know just there's going to be some things that kind of help our production along because right now like we really like to brew lagers, we don't do as many of them as maybe we would like to just because of tank time and we need to get other things moved through the, you know, the facility, but um, with more tanks, it just, it lets us, you know, dedicate a tank for that. Um, and it'll, it'll be nice to have, to have the, the other tanks. What, um, what is your best selling beer now? Is it the electro fruits or is like it, it, what, or I guess even because you do so many one-offs, what what um, category style of beer is your best selling? Um, well, I, hazies, I'm sure, just because okay. we make so many of them. Got electric yeah, beer itself faster than anything else. Over, overall, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, but even even like we really have like. Uh, core beers or whatever, I guess we, we have like Kush and fog, which are kind of like that, but not always around, but we sell a lot of Kush, just a, a whole, whole lot of it. Um, so with the expanded tank space, that's something that, um, we would like to have around pretty much all the time. So like do a 30 barrel batch of Kush, however frequently we need to do just to, to get make sure push, you always you know, have it available. Right. Well, and you had asked about uh, local support and things like that. There's a lot of people locally that come in specifically for fog or specifically for Kush or other things. Um, so that'll that'll help us uh, as far as that's concerned. 
Yeah. I mean, definitely in the tap room. I mean, it's not, you probably, each week there's probably someone that rolls in there asking when Fog or Kush is coming back. Like they they want it, you know, just can't keep it, keep it in. That's kind of of cool too, because even though they're hazy, they're still, they're, they're more bitter and more old school hazy than, you know, I guess like a lot of our lineup. So it's, it's kind of encouraging that people still want those types of beers, um, you know, with, with those characteristics. That's, that's, that's cool. I, I mean, I definitely prefer having some bitterness still, even with a hazy or something. I, I like, I, you know, I'm, I miss bitter beer. Mm-hmm. So Divine, uh, speaking of collabs and then bitter beer, Divine Barrel has, they've, they've kind of branded themselves around uh, West Coast IPAs. They do everything, but um, they've got hashtag bitter boy and they've got a whole nice. line of like shirts and things. And um, it's really cool. And they're, they're really good at it. So it's, it fits perfectly with what they do. But um, that was an interesting thing being in Charlotte is that apparently uh, they sell just a ton of West Coast IPA. So it's it's cool to that's another thing about traveling and doing collabs, not to take it back to that. But um, regionally, certain things still sell really well uh, that don't sell really well in other places. Um, I just saw that Firestone Walkers bring Wookie Jack back, which is awesome you know like such a great beer so good and so many you know nobody makes them and they're a hard sell but and i think they're only going to have it in california though if if i read the article correctly but but either way the point is like it's neat that certain markets still have a a demand for for things like that it seemed for a little while at least and it may have died off a little bit that um west coast ipas were making a comeback in maryland uh, there were a lot more breweries putting them out, but that I feel like that may have died off in the last couple of months, and maybe maybe that's just because it's winter or I don't. I you know I I think some of that is I I agree with you. I don't know. You might be right. Maybe it's a seasonal thing, but I think that's also as as um I think what you're seeing now is you're seeing a lot of you know we're turning four. There's a lot of breweries that are going to be turning three and four and five, you know six. Um, so we're all, as we grow, we're figuring out, you know, we're actually maturing as businesses and we're, we're figuring out like who we are and what do we really want to do. And, um, you know, for us specifically, um, I think early on we thought we were going to be one thing and then it was like, well, we're, we're like this hazy brewery and this is pretty much all everybody wants, but that wasn't true either. So, um, I think we're, we're, we're kind of realizing too, that there is still a market for, you know, like we were saying, like cushion fog and um, low key, easy drinking beers as well. And it, it's it's just that um, the, the people who are the traders and the people that do still stand in lines and are the most vocal are the ones that want, you know, tri- hazy triple IPAs, cat free kettle sours, pastry stouts. And it's just like it's almost beaten into our heads that like this is what everyone wants. Yeah. And to some extent it's true, but you're, you're also kind of leaving out a whole subset of the market that doesn't have any interest in that, or doesn't even know those things like this. Yeah. They're, they're a minority, but they're a very loud minority and usually the most seen on. Yes. So it kind of builds, it builds an echo chamber 
of making it seem like that that's all people want at all. Yep. Because, yeah. I mean, there's, well, look at um, Diamondback has kind of made themselves as all, like, they're the slow beer movement and focusing on clear beer and, and mm-hmm. Silver Branch. They're almost all classic styles and doing really well with that. So there's there's plenty of people who want that beer also. Well, and those, those two, like even for us in the industry, when we go places and hang out, you know, for the most part, you're not, you know, if you're, if you're in a, at an anniversary party and it's like the night before and all the brewers are sitting there for the most part, we're not sitting there drinking, you know, 16% pastry stouts. Everybody's grabbing for lagers. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's all lagers or saisons or things that are, um, more traditional, um, hard to do well and low in alcohol and i used to always um like sometimes mock you guys about trying to stop (laughs) um (laughs) about like always talking about like loggers and things and like stop trying to make that happen it's not but then now i find myself too though like i've gotten beer from places where like a bunch of different things and the first thing i'll try is their czech pilsner yeah. Yep. Well, Silver Branch did a, they had a uh, Czech dark lager that was awesome. I don't remember what it was called. Uh, Scott gave me a can of it and uh, it's fantastic. And, you know, I mean, how many people even know that Czech dark lager is a thing? Um, but man, is it good? And, and it's, it's cool to see people doing it. Yeah. So there's, I mean, like, as always, there's room for everything. There, there are plenty of people drinking beer. Well, and breweries, you know, have be, because we're kind of like have the the um, the personas that we do, you know, we we have the leeway to do all kinds of stuff. You know, we 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 are proof that you can make a bunch of like hypey things, but you can also really focus on traditional things as well and trying to make those to the the best of your ability and grow and learn and perfect. Um, Blue Jacket is a very good example of that. Uh, Blue Jacket makes killer uh, low ABV beers. They make awesome English beer. They make, you know, they've got, they've always got, uh, you know, something on a beer engine down there. Their lagers are fantastic. Um, They have a Kolsch that's really good. You know, so they've got, they've got a really good lineup of traditional style, but then they can also throw together a double IPA that, that slays do you think that breweries need to have that portfolio of the hype beers to build up a name for overall popularity to even like for people to know about them since that is what uh social media focuses on so much like like while like i i don't know what kind of a following blue jacket has but i bet it's minuscule compared to um like what breweries that pump out tons of hazies and fruited mm-hmm. sours are i mean they still sell a ton of beer because they're of their location and they make really good beer but like they're they're not as well known outside of that the area mm-hmm. um 
I, well, I think I think there's a couple ways to look at that. It certainly doesn't hurt to make those things and make a name through those things. Um, you know, from a business perspective, um, you know, it, it it does help. However, I think part of that is location. Um, you know, where you are, if you're in, you know, if you're in Brooklyn or uh, if you're in in LA or something you know you have a very you're in a densely populated area with a lot of different tastes and things like that so you could start a place and maybe silver branch is a good example of that you know more locally is that because they do traditional stuff they have a reputation for doing that and doing it really well and they have their own customer base that probably doesn't give a shit about people's hazy double ipas but man when they want you know those people want loggers and things like that they're going to they're going to go to Silver Branch. They're going to drink there. They're going to take beer home. So there's that. Um, so I think you can totally, totally be successful without tapping into the hype. Um, Suarez family is a perfect example of that. You know, Suarez family is a brewery up in New York that um, is is uh, kind of niche and very well known. Also, probably not well known all at the same time, depending on who you're talking to. But that is all low ABV stuff, uh, lots of lagers, uh, um, lots of, of, again, like saisons. Um, and they do a, they, they make fantastic oh, good. beer, have a strong following. Okay. So yes and no. Yeah, I think, <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of it comes down to location, but also your skill set. You know, what were you, what's your, what's your background? You know, what did you learn? What do you know? Uh, it, you know, it, it makes it it changes everything. Vale's a good Vale's a good example of like, obviously they make a ton of hypey stuff, but their lagers are top notch as well. So, and I feel I feel like um, quality matters way more now than ever. Yeah, like as it should, right? Yeah, but I feel like at some at in not that long ago that you could be a hyped up brewery and maybe not make the best beer mm-hmm. that and that seems to be definitely waning because there there are so many places that aren't your typical hype brewery but they're putting out really really good beer i agree well and and to build on that too you know, when we opened, I was, I, I've said recently, um, I would love to, to have had beer in a, like a time capsule, you know, from what it was like our first beers produced in the old space on the old system and be able to open them now and have them still obviously like be fresh and whatever and compare them to where we are because we've grown leaps and bounds. And if we started now making that beer, we probably wouldn't get the same, we wouldn't have the same freedoms and the same level of like um, stickiness with our, you know, our customer base, because again, there's so much beer out there. You don't have, if you open a brewery now, you don't have the same time for people to just kind of hang out and just wait and watch you grow and get better. Now it's like you open your door and people expect. They better be good. (laughs) <laughs> which is again completely understandable yeah you know i mean I think, you, I think you're you're given a month or two maybe now whereas right. you could skate by for a year several years ago where people would yeah. kind of give you the benefit of the doubt but that 
as definitely not the case anymore. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, it's, um, it's obviously it's, it's important, you know, people are spending money, you know, and, and it's, it's, they vote with dollars and, um, you need to respect that as, as a person that runs any type of business, whether it's a restaurant or a brewery or an HVAC company, or, you know, uh, an auto repair facility, um, you know, honoring the fact that people work hard and they could literally be anywhere else drinking your beer, but they're there. So it's, you know, you need to, you need to do your best, you know, and, and, and not just your best, but you need to, you need to grow and, and continue to get better and better. Has, um, has that made the competition between breweries maybe, uh, a little bit more fierce, I guess the way to put it, like, has that hurt the camaraderie within the community at all where, where it, it's made it more competitive or is it still that community where you still everyone just wants to help each other or like do you do you ever see that ending as competition gets more and more um i it's a that's a tough one too because i think it's i think it's both you know again it's like i hate to be that guy's like playing in the middle ground on answers but i i think it's both because i think that you know, there's definitely like a core of us and especially people that came before us that something still you're doing just, is making a bunch of noise. What's that? Something you were doing was making a bunch of noise. Oh, I think and Lindy's painting. So no, like a rubbing noise, like a tapping no, or rubbing or, or, or I'm at me. It's my fault. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> really still. Sorry. <laughs> no, um, I don't think. Well, Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> that's okay. No, no, no. Well, I just, I, I think that, I think that there's going to be, that's always going to be an aspect of this industry where we do, we do try to, you know, get along and it's genuine. It's not for show, you know, like we, we really do care about other breweries and how, you know, you want to help out and things like that. Um, I think that right now everything's tense because it's, it's, you know, COVID and, and everybody's just scrambling to do the best that they can. Yeah. So I, I think that adds a weird layer to it. Um, but yeah, I think, um, I think where you see the competition and, and you see people not get along as well as they used to, I think that happens more so when it's people entering this industry that don't have a background in it and might be like money people or, that you know, things sense. like that where they don't and they, they don't get it, but they also don't care because they didn't start this to make friends. They didn't yeah. start this to, you know, to be collaborative. They started a business to make money and doesn't, you know, and step on whoever they can step on to, to do better. So um, there's definitely been an element of some of that in this industry. I And now that, that so I. I wasn't going to go that in depth with my idea, but my, I was just going to say, like, do you think it's just going to be completely dependent on personalities as there are more and more people? And I think that kind of answers it, that that will be what kind of, kind of brings that more cutthroat competition into breweries is the, it being people who just are in it to make money instead of people who had the passion for like wanting to open a brewery just for the passion of wanting to do it. Right. Yeah. Which makes sense. Well, I 
I think some people too are just competitive by nature. You know, I think yeah. there's certain, you know, and you, you see it and you, you know, there's, there, there are people, you know, in, in Maryland that are that way. And, and some people don't like to see other people do well, you know, uh, and you can't control that. There's just not, you know, you just take it in stride and keep on moving. Yeah. Cause there's the people that think like, if someone else is doing well, I can't do well. Right. Like I, you, yeah. like we can't both win. I have to win. Whereas exactly. in reality, a lot of people can actually win and not, there doesn't have to be a loser if a lot of people are doing well. Right. Yeah. There's somebody said, so I don't remember the exact quote, but somebody made a comment to me one time is like, um, the competition happens in the field, you know, between salespeople, it doesn't happen between brewers and, and owners necessarily. Um, I think that also, it also depends on how big you are, you know, how, how much beer are you making? How much do you, you know, what size do you want to grow to? Because yeah, in some level, if you get too big, it, you know, you're, you're going to step on toes, um, yeah. whether you like it or not. Um, just cause you, the sheer amount of sales you have to make to maintain what you've built right that makes sense so in about five years everyone's gonna hate each other is that what we're predicting <laughs> i hope not what our goal our goal i believe our goal is to not grow a whole whole lot bigger than what we're doing you know than what we're growing into right now um this gives us um enough capacity uh, to do really well as a business, uh, but maintain a size that's manageable and allows us to still have the freedoms to brew a lot of different things and, you know, play with recipes and, and things like that. It's like a good middle ground. Um, so, um, you know, I, I think what we're kind of growing into now, not that we would never add tanks again, but I, I think we're getting to a point where um, we're already bigger than we thought we would be. So I, I don't, you know, measured growth and not doing something stupid. And then all of a sudden you're, you know, you wake up and you don't recognize the business that you're, yeah. you know, that you're running. I've, I've heard that more and more from people though, that their, their breweries, that they're at a sustainable size. They don't need growth anymore. Mm -hmm. Like obviously they would take it, but the, the, the breweries reached a level of, to a point where if they stayed there, like it'll, everyone can make a nice living and everyone can like, it's very sustainable. Yeah. Cause it seems like, a, like if you hit to a certain point, like if you try to keep going, then you have a huge leap until you get to that, that level again. Right. Well, you know, you, you hit some point where, uh, you know, staffing becomes an issue and then you need departments that, you know, manages other departments and, yeah. you know, it, it's, it, you stack all these layers on top of, of each other. And, and it, I don't know, uh, it's doable, you know, it's just a matter of what do you, what do you want? Um, you start having to add in a lot of expense just to sustain instead right. of like adding positive growth or like, then you have to grow more just to maintain that extra level of bureaucracy almost kind right. of not really but sort right. of well and managing people well it's hard you know and 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 it, it's 
it needs to be done with with care. I mean, these are people that you know we we care about, and um, you know those personal connections that we have with our employees are part of I I think why we do as well as we do. Um, not to say that we're awesome managers or, or anything like that, but we try really hard, and I I think we're again, and that's something that you grow into. You learn, and you you know it's it's it it really is a team. Um, you know, and at some point you get so big that that team um, kind of structure falls apart, and I don't know. And people start to just feel like a number or another face, where it... right. And I think um, you guys being the owners and there every day and being so hands on helps with keeping a happy workforce. Like no one likes someone who isn't doing anything like the the week or like at least perspective from a perspective, like they're not here doing anything. Why should I listen to that person? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it absolutely, it says a lot to our employees that we're, we're here, we're hands on, we're still a major part of this like business and what we're trying to achieve. Uh, not just like handing the reins over to someone else and then just stepping back. Uh, I know just speaking with myself and Garrett and Scott as well, like we, we plan to stay pretty hands on because uh, we just want to make sure that this company succeeds and we're successful. And um, I, I think it's an integral part of trying to, trying to grow this, this business and, and, within this community that we're in. So what do you, where Garrett, you said that you're kind of happy with the size you are. How, how do you balance that though with like, if you get to the point where you just can't possibly like the demand for your beer way outstrips how much you're able to make, like, do you still then want to stay at the same size and there's just the demand for it or. I think so. I mean, that, from a business perspective, that's a, that's a sweet spot to be in. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, again, you know, I, I have no idea what, what comes down the pike in the future. I mean, you know, if this year taught us anything, don't, don't don't plan that much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't know if that changes in the future, but I, I do know that just through conversations that we've had and, and, you know, I could definitely can speak for my own personal feelings. You know, we've we've had a really long, you know, if you, if you think about this, we're turning four, but we started planning this a year and a half before that. Um, you know, we were all working full time jobs. Um, I had a full time and a part time job. We were planning this and then we started build out on this, you know, nine months before we actually opened. So our our work has been five years and we've been grinding so hard for so long um now it's more about finding a better balance and kind of getting back to being able to spend time with our families and our friends and you know doing some things that are good for us you know mentally physically having a life yeah you know and, and not that it's time to like rest or anything necessarily but but moving toward balance is is that and i think if we continue to grow there's never going to be balance because it's always on to the next thing and then all of a sudden you're you know you're 60 and your kids are at college or 
or whatever and they're married and everything's passed you by and that's not that's not the life goal you know there's is a bigger picture than just you know the business itself um it's a it's a a means to an end and something that we have a lot of love for but it's one component of who we are that makes complete sense and it, it it's actually kind of refreshing to hear instead of like just wanting to just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger like no get get to a happy point and then just stay there yeah so yeah. how how much further ahead though are you four years in than where you thought you would be when you opened I don't think we ever thought we would, we would be here. I, I don't know. We didn't really have goals, you know, look other than survival, you know, yeah. when, when we started this, it was, um, start a business, work really, really hard, make sure it doesn't fail. And that was it. Um, and, and we've, yeah. And do the best, you know, and do the best we can, obviously like focus on quality. Um, so I, I mean, we're, we're already past where I, I thought, you know, Again, this is just me, Marcus. You might want to chime in, but I think we're past it. No, I agree. I think we're past it. I, I mean, sitting down four years ago, prior to us opening this, I, I don't think we had uh, any established long-term goals. Uh, just like Garrett said, it was kind of like, and nor did we. I guess we were just so green. You know, yeah. we didn't. We didn't know a whole lot. I mean, we hardly knew anybody in the industry. We we just basically took what business knowledge we had from our previous backgrounds and tried to put it to good use to create a stable environment and a business that would be successful for years to come uh, and just trying to maintain that. And I mean, so to know like if we're ahead of where we were going to be, I mean, I think <laughs> I think that was a year or two ago, I mean, <laughs> we never thought we would be in a, in a 12,000 square foot facility and quadruple our capacity. And, you know, there's so many accomplished goals that we never thought were even attainable, but they have been. Did, did you start out wanting all three of you wanting to be at the brewery full time? Yeah. I, yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I would have to agree with that. I mean, yeah, I think it was. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I I think that it was probably like that was the goal is the three of us were going to work there and maybe have like some taproom staff and things, yeah. and that was probably it. So it definitely surpassed that. At least, <laughs> but definitely, oh. <laughs> definitely surpassed that. <laughs> yeah. All right, gentlemen, I keep getting text messages from my wife, <laughs> so I should, I'm not sure what she wants, um, but I, and I don't want to take up any more of your time. I'm sure you all have things to do, um, but congratulations on all of your success. Um, I, I mean, I don't think I've ever had a beer from you guys that I don't enjoy. Um, I was drinking after school snack, the sour version during this, that was I, I wasn't sure how that was going to work, but it worked really well. I definitely Thanks, enjoyed dude. that. Um, so congratulations on four years and uh, can't wait to see where you guys are in a few more years. 
and I hope that you get to make a lager with Ocelot. <laughs> well, you too. We, 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 uh, we always like talking to you. So thank you for having us on, you know, it, it's always a good time and, um, we'll look forward to doing it again one day. Thank you. And, uh, thank you everyone for watching and listening. Cheers. All right. Cheers. Cheers. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.